yo, I don't even know. You know, earlier this this evening, I was thinking about how I'm gonna like injure you, not injure you, and there were no words because I grew up listening to you. Like you were my formative years, my discovery years. Your voice was that. Um, Karma from Henry Eight on a Zoom with me. It's insane. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so you are in America. Um, no longer in South Africa, but you are also back. So tell me what have you been doing since the last time we heard from you? Oh my God. I mean, it's been years. I think yeah. I've been in America since 2004. So it's not that I didn't, you know, continue to release music in South Africa and things like that. I, I did for many of the first, you know, five or well, five plus yeah. years of living in the States. And then I sort of, I suppose I went dark <laughs> in the sense that I just sort of went into my own version of retirement. And I, essentially what that meant was I kind of had enough of music as my um, full-time job because with that came a lot of um, responsibility and that responsibility, you know, it included a lot of press. It included, which, I, you know, I always say I don't like that, but I'm, I'm actually, I'm okay with it. Hmm. You seem nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's, it's, it was more, um, you know, just the hecticness of the business of music and actually feeling that that songwriting had become a business, you know, like yeah. I, when I started writing songs, I really wrote them for me. And I don't think my story is unique in that sense. I think a lot of musicians say the same thing. But um, for me, it, it was, you know, it was therapy. It was the way that I comforted myself and I worked through things and I expressed myself. And, and then it became, oh, is this a good song? You know, I would like write music and then sit there and like analyze it from a commercial perspective. And yeah. I was like, I didn't. I didn't like that. And it took me a long time after saying, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try go back to writing music the way that I started out. And it took me a long time to undo, you know, what I now call the damage or having learned the skill in a different way. And, um, and when I say a long time, I'm going to say like 10 years actually. Yeah. And when I finally got back to that, the whole time I'd, I'd been writing and I've collected all these songs and, um, I'd set up my own home studio. So I just started recording uh, the music by myself and um, working with musicians that I'd met along the way and everybody was awesome and contributing. And um, I'd, I started gathering up these recordings and I still like didn't do anything with them. <laughs> um, you know, I played them to my mom and um yeah, last year, I don't know, I think with COVID and everything and, and sort of being stuck at home and I pulled up some of the recordings and I pulled up some of the songs that I hadn't really finished and I started thinking, you know, it would be quite nice to actually just put this out there. Mm. And in that process, one of the songs that I'd done was called uh, Hold On Me and um, I'd, I'd actually finished that one and I sent it off to my friend Jack who I'd met many years ago and I just played him the song and said, I don't know if you'd be interested in doing a remix, but like that's what he does. He does a lot of remixes for artists and he loved the song and he said, yeah, he'd give it, a, give it a go. And it was really like a couple of days later, he sent me back this whole new version of my song. And I was pretty blown away because, you know, I write in the acoustic space. I very rarely um, change 
the songs, the way that, like the way that I wrote them is usually the way that they get recorded. And, you know, Jack's got his own style. I know, I know he loves the weekend and he said that he was very much in that zone when he was doing the remix of hold on me. So I'd never heard my music produced in that way. And it was, it was way cool. I mean, the incredible thing is if, if Jack had sent me that music bed and said, write a song to this, I would not have written hold on me. Mm. Um, I probably would have written something more in that genre, less lyrics, um, gone for more of a hook melody line. So it was really cool to actually hear my work, you know, reimagined in the space. I was quite blown away. I'm a big fan of actually that version of the song. I think it's quite cool. And Callan B, how did that happen? Well, so Jack should really be answering that, but th- this is what I understand the answer to be. Uh, Jack has a, a production of Magic Mike. He has several of them. And um, Callan is one of, I think Callan is the main dancer in the German Berlin um, show. Wow. And when, okay. yeah. And then when, so when Jack was working on, on the song, he he asked me if I knew Callan, because I believe Callan had done quite well in a dancing competition or something in South Africa. Yeah. And, yeah, and he was like, do you know this guy? And I was like, no, I don't. And then I looked him up, and he, he's just so talented. I mean, he's ridiculously talented. And um, Jack said, you know, he's in my production. We should see if he'd be interested in doing a video. And I was like, I think that would be beautiful, you know. <sighs> so, again, a couple of weeks later, I get this, you know, footage of Callan dancing, and I was just um, – He's just such a, you know, beautiful, emotional performer. Yeah. I really loved it. And we'd already done a music video for the original version of Hold On Me. And um, the next thing, you know, Jack is the most productive, amazing guy. He just, like, said about – actually, I think he was in quarantine. I think he went to Australia and he was – because he's doing a show, Magic Mark show in Australia, and I think he had, like, 14-day manda- mandatory quarantine Yeah. when he arrived. And I, I guess he just bit it, like, made a video. He just edited the footage from the original <laughs> video and then, and then Callan's footage. And then, you know, that arrived in my inbox, and he was like, here's a video for the – um, for the song. So it was really, like, all Jack. I can't take a lot of credits. I mean, the – my part in this was I wrote the song and I and I asked my friend if he if he wanted to work on it and then he just really took over from there. You know, these people that do these incredible things in the 14 days they spend in quarantine, like editing an entire video. I think I've been in lockdown for a year. I haven't even made a banana bread. Like I've done nothing. And <laughs> you tell me these stories and I'm like, I need to really try harder. <laughs> Oh, I built a house. You, so, uh, you did not build a whole house. No, like I was, uh, I, I think we're going to have to call it like restored. The plan was that I was just going to, you know, um, do some work on the second house I have on my property. But then as we started doing the restoration work, the house started falling apart. So I suppose in some ways I did build it. Wow. Um yeah, so over the last six months, I've actually acquired a lot of woodworking skills and uh, other construction skills. But um, don't feel bad, Danny. Like everybody's navigating <laughs> quarantine differently. You know, not not all of us are. I can't sit still, 
so and i get it that's my personality type it doesn't make me better at navigating quarantine or not you know you can't tell danny not to feel bad after you've just told her that you re remodeled your house and built your no house. i Daddy needs I haven't to go done harder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe start with a banana bread, you know. Okay. I thought everybody in South Africa had learned how to make pineapple beer after your lockdown. Because when you guys first went into lockdown, my entire Facebook feed was just all my mates trying to figure out how to brew alcohol. <laughs> it was just... dramatic. It was very dramatic. I'm not going to lie to you. I did attempt the pineapple beer. It ended quite badly. Um, it was vile, but then oh. I figured out how to make sparkling wine from grape juice, which was great. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually found the recipe off of someone that followed, um, a master brewer, legendary popcorn Sutton, and it was someone that had commented on his YouTube. Anyway, we're, I'm completely veering off track. Yeah. So, that's so well, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got to tell you a funny story quick because, I have my grandfather, my late grandfather's ginger beer recipe. And um, I've made it several times. And this recipe was meant to be a secret. It was meant to be this like family secret. And my grandfather, I'd helped him make it when I was young. So that was the only reason I knew the recipe. And for a couple of years, I've, I make the ginger beer and I bottle it and I give it to my, my family as Christmas presents. Yeah. So, and, and everybody always asks me, oh, can I have the recipe? And I'm like, no, it's my secret. I'll just make it for you for Christmas. And um, what, what I didn't know is, you know, I think I'm making a soda, like I'm making like, you know, <laughs> a, a cool drink. <laughs> and I've also got to add that my, my family are LDS, they're Mormons, so they don't drink alcohol. Oh, wow. And um, so I'm like delivering this ginger beer for Christmas every year. Oh, and God. one day I, I share, um, you know, my process with a friend of mine who makes beer. And he says to me, like, I don't know, you know, the amount of sugar and yeast you're putting into this, there's absolutely no way that alcohol isn't being made. And I was like, no, this is my grandfather's recipe. This is def definitely just a cool drink. And he was like, okay, we can measure the alcohol content. Well, Danny, let me tell you, I've been like delivering beer grade brew to my family for years. <laughs> I felt like that. But, um, yeah, so the, if, if you ever do find yourself in another situation where you need to make some homemade alcohol, hit me up. Um, done. I might share a version, the commercial version of Grandpa's Ginger Beer. Oh, done. Thank you, Grandpa. I'm here for, you know what, I'm here for a dodgy Grandpa. Like, I'm so here <laughs> for it. I love you, Grandpa. I think he probably knew, and he was taking great delight in taking, taking this Ginger Beer to all the church events and just feeding it to people. Best grandpa. I love this. Yeah. Coolest you have, dude. You have good ancestors, dude. This is why. <laughs> this is this is why you're a nice human. So okay, firstly, I'm definitely getting that recipe from you because if I'm ever gonna attempt this pineapple nonsense again, it's gonna be that one, the ginger beer. Version. <laughs> um, so lockdown happens. Um, you you're building a house, you're you you seem to be good, right? Are you good where you are at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I really am. I'm I'm excited about the change, you know, living living somewhere more remote has obviously opened up a lot of opportunities. I think probably the other thing that's opened up opportunities is we've never installed the TV. So we like arrived here and just didn't didn't put the TV back together. Wow. So 
Yeah, and my partner's also a musician, so there's a lot of creativity. She's an artist and a musician. There's a lot of creativity that goes on in our house. And we have a small home studio. Um, some components still need to be plugged in, but um, it's it's really my preferred way of recording now because I've never been good with the – okay, you've got to do this like this now. Yeah. Um, I kind of freeze and I go into the mode of like, okay, I just need to deliver a performance. I just need yeah. to deliver a pitch perfect vocal. And I get so focused in on getting it right because I'm under under the gun, so to speak. Like there's a clock going and the record company needs to know that you're on schedule. And I really, I, I was never good at that. And I, I, don't enjoy working that way. So having a home set up has afforded me the opportunity to kind of just find myself in the moment and go, oh, I feel like singing or I feel like playing something. And without fail, when I get into that space, I actually record very quickly. Mm. Um, so, and I, I record very honestly, and that's where I'm at. I, I would prefer to to deliver performances that are – sincere and honest they don't have to be perfect um to me the emotion needs to be perfect before i'm going to start you know worrying about whether i missed the click track or um whether you know i bent a note and i shouldn't have done that it to me if the emotion is there and if i believe if i can listen to that performance and actually feel the emotion then i'm good with it so yes that that's sort of what I've been able to set up um, for myself now. So there's definitely, there's more music in the works. I think technology is like incredible. Um, you know, Hold On Me was, was recorded. Those, the, the original was recorded via, you know, text message and me sending files all over the show for people to record and sending files back to me. And, um, you know, that song covered several co- continents and, um, just really a cool way to to work. I'd never done that before. You know, we'd all always had to be in the same room. Yeah. And there's also, you know, there's a lot of good that comes out of that as well. So the other cool thing about being out here is um, a lot of the musicians that I do work with are, live in LA and seem to have no problem coming out here and just hanging out <laughs> and staying here to record. I think it's like a free holiday for them. But um yeah, so I think the setup right now is, like I said, it's very comfortable for me. I think it's going to probably mean I'm going to record more um, and enjoy the recording more. I think if if we there are there are obviously very very devastating parts to this global pandemic and lockdowns and economically and people are definitely suffering but it's definitely given everyone a space to be more creative within their own space and that's definitely something that we've lost over time no one really creates anymore and I've said this before, and I think, you know, for, for us normal humans who don't have to, who, who don't write for, for a job, right? We, 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 we're, we were never comfortable with putting our feelings on paper or painting or anything like that. So we kind of didn't look at them and carried on. You guys are giving us all of this incredible work because of the lockdown and because of the spaces that you're in, but it's inspiring us to do the same thing. And I'm seeing so many more people painting or 
doing whatever it is, you know, tiling, writing, carpeting. Um, One of my friends is making couches and it's so necessary. These outlets are so necessary and it just takes you back to do what you can with what you have right now. And that's exactly what you're doing in your home studio. I love it. I love mm. it. I'm here for it. But I think, I think, um, look, I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is just my personal opinion. Okay. There's no, <laughs> um, the way I sort of look at things is when we were kids, right? What we had was playtime. Yeah. Um, and we, and we, probably experienced boredom a lot more than we do as adults because once you like an adult you're in this very structured nine to five and mm. it kind of it, it gets super repetitive and if there's anything that I, I think um dumbs down the creative part of the human mind and spirit is you know is repeating the same thing over and over again because you're not challenging your brain you're not challenging your spirits and mm. I think that a lot of a lot of artists have been afforded the opportunity to continue that action of playing, you know, the, mm. and and so it seems like we're connected to things that maybe other people are like, I don't get it, I don't have that connection. And I really do think we're just connected to play and we're connected to a part of ourselves that we didn't let die. Yeah. And um maybe what what COVID, what I've experienced in, in a lot of my friends, look, and it's been two different sides of it. Some of them have been so stressed out of their minds. I'm actually very, very worried for them. But other people have had the opportunity to actually spend more time and get bored. And through getting bored, they've actually like tried to find interesting things to do. And for some of them, I know, you know, the lack of being able to go to a restaurant, all of a sudden they're actually reading recipes and cooking. And I've never known these people to cook and they're inventing things and they're trying new things. And they've just been, they've been afforded this new space. And that's, you know, what they've decided to, to do with it. I don't think, um, I think for other people, the lockdown has been so debilitating that, it hasn't afforded them this opportunity to, you know, find a creative expression and things like that. And that's okay. I mean, it's, uh, I'm very sad for that, but for those people that it has actually opened that up to, I've seen like amazing stuff coming out of um, friends and family. And what I've also noticed is people, at least the people I know have really become a lot more caring and, um, which I really appreciated. They used to be like quite flippant and busy. Mm. Um, I, I, there's a couple of my friends. I, I swear I have to schedule call times with them to like fit in their day so that I can actually connect with them and chat. And now all of a sudden they're actually picking up the phone and calling, which is lovely. You know, yeah. it's like, um, and I hope that some of those positive, valuable lessons that people, I hope people are seeing them as lessons and I hope people are seeing the value of them and they'll carry that with them back into when we all go, you know, back to work and full-time gigs and we're all very, very busy. And now all of a sudden we don't have time to do anything but make money. I hope people will remember how absolutely amazing it was to have time with your family and time with your arts and time with expression and time building and making things. And I think that if you could take one lesson, if that's been, you know, what you've been afforded, um, keep that, like hold on to it. Remember to play, remember to be a kid, like remember to enjoy yourself and not just do stuff so you can accumulate more crap. Mm. 
You are so wise. I could talk to you forever. And a lot of the stuff that you're saying is is almost like the universe is like shoving me going, you see, we told you. Um, I read something the other day about us having forgotten how to be bored. And when you're in a line, instead of just letting your brain rest, you're on your phone or you're, you're doing, you're always doing something and you never, ever, ever just switch off. And it's so necessary mm. to switch off for everything, for creativity, for just mental health, just for your brain. It's so necessary. But Karma, what are you busy with at the moment? Because obviously like, so you're in your own studio. There is no record label pushing you to create something. Um, are you creating something in your way? Yeah, I mean, I'm working on three songs at the moment, and they all have something in common. It's the second, no, it's one of the lines in the second verse of each one of the songs I'm stuck on. So it's like, I've got three songs almost done, and the second verse in all of them is really bothering me. Um, but, you know, again, I'm, I'm not, I don't force myself on any deadlines or anything, um, I kind of just keep playing them until something will hit me. You know, I'll have a conversation with someone or I'll be painting something and then all of a sudden the lyric will hit me. Um, I do try. What I have found over the years is that eventually I will become so distant to the emotion that sparked the song that there's no point in trying anymore. Mm. Um, Sometimes that does happen with me where I kind of become – removed from being able to feel in that way. Um, and then it, it just, you know, the lyric I write will be like super contrived. Um, it'll just be, be me trying to rhyme or be clever. And I hate those lyrics. So um, one of them is sort of approaching that moment. <laughs> so I hope, I hope a lyric comes soon, but um, the, I've, I have noticed in my writing of late, I've become a little, uh, political actually i become a lot political so um i've the the last three works that i've been working on actually aren't my usual genre of love and loss and hope um they're actually they're more socially aware commentary songs i think it's necessary Um, yeah and that's obviously what's bothering me at the moment so that's what i'm writing about because that that really selfishly that is the way i write it's like is it bothering me <laughs> is it, you know and that if it is enough then i'll write something about it but um, that's what i'm working on at the moment and then as i say i mean i'm i'm navigating you know this COVID scenario like everybody else i'm unsure of the future i'm hopeful of the future um so you know good days bad days um my distractions are are healthy, so it's kind of cool. You know, as I say, I'm renovating a, a farmhouse out here, and um, I've taken up woodworking. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not bored, um, but I do find I'm spending a lot more time actually, like you say, like just sitting still and actually thinking, mm. um, staying away from technology and things like that. Oh, I need that. My distractions have been wine and technology. So I think I need to take a leaf out of your book. And then I might then be baking banana bread and editing those and, <laughs> and doing the thing. But um I one I just some I've just thought of something that I wanted to know. So being in a studio 
and I've obviously I've, I've never recorded anything in a studio like like you guys do, but I would think that you would bounce ideas off of the people that you were with, right? And and they would tell you if it was a cuck idea or if it was a good idea, and then you would kind of like gauge these these works, these creations that you're birthing in the studio. You would gauge if they're going to be well received or not. Now you're very isolated, and you don't have that. Or even if you did, I don't know. But um, do you find it scarier releasing music from the studio that you're in now as opposed to when you had a team around you? Uh, I think I still have a team. I mean, I, I don't like record everything start to finish by myself. And then, you know, the first time people get to hear it is when I actually release it. I mean, my process is I usually record um, my vocal and if I'm going to play guitar, um, sometimes, I mean, I always do play guitar, but sometimes I'm just playing a supporting track knowing that it's going to be replaced, but it's something for me to pitch to. Um, I'll usually do that. And then the next person to go is Julian. I still work with Julian, who was my partner in Henry VIII. Mm -hmm. So I'll, you know, I'll shoot him a text message with an MP3 of the song and go, what do you think? And sometimes I'm just asking him what he thinks. Like I'm not actually asking him to do anything, but he can't help himself. So then he'll send (laughs) me back, like he'll send me back backing vocals and guitar riffs and, you know, and, and then we are, I suppose we're, we're collaborating in that way. And um, he's also, you know, Julian's not shy. He'll tell me flat out if it's rubbish and he'll go like, I really hate the song. That said though, he, he actually told me he really hated jazz. So even if he does say wow. he really, <laughs> yeah, he's never going to live that down. Poor Jules. He, I'm sure he like, regrets the day that he said that. But when I first played him jazz, he was like, I really don't like it. <laughs> um, so you know, I think my sister's always always been a sounding board for me as well. Um, and I've got a lot of musician friends who I'll play ideas to. Um, and, and I don't think I even wait until I've recorded. I think I do, I do definitely do call people and just play them stuff over the phone on a regular basis and go like, do you, what do you think about this? Or um, I might be struggling with a, prog- a progression or something because I'm I'm not actually formally trained. So there's definitely I'm, – I'm just clever in that I've surrounded myself with a lot of way more talented musicians than I am. So there are a few people that I'll, you know, call and go like, I have an idea, but I don't know how to get there. Can you give me a lesson quick? And I'll end up on like a Zoom call with somebody giving me a guitar lesson or something. Um. But I don't feel like I do it. I feel like the part of recording myself, I actually prefer to be alone because even though I do sing very differently, I think when I have an audience and there's some value in that, I don't like the feeling of feeling the the pressure. pressure. And I feel like when someone is, is watching me, I, I'm conscious that I'm being watched and yeah. my brain goes into more of a performance mode yeah. instead of just, you know, feel it. Yeah. Close your eyes and just feel it. Yeah. So I'm going to say that I actually prefer the current setup. I I think I, I would lean towards my current setup also. I like alone. I like, I like it. I feel that. Um, yeah. I mean, the, I think that's the other thing about being you know, on the stage and things like that. People will automatically make the assumption that you're an extrovert. And my understanding of an extrovert is that, 
your energy actually comes from attention, right? And then an introvert is somebody who actually feels drained by attention. So I'm what I think this was said to me once. I'm a I'm a trained extrovert, meaning I'm naturally an introvert and I've through my, you know, just chosen profession, I got I had to learn how to be okay yeah. in public spaces. But anyone who was ever at the first show that I performed at would remember that I, in order to get one note out of my mouth, I had to turn my back on the audience. I thought I was going to die. Wow. Um, and there was a lot of coaching early on in my career. I had I had very um, helpful people around me who did, um, you know, help me with techniques of how to, you know. I remember the thing that used to happen quite a lot was my leg used to start shaking and I couldn't stop it. Like I couldn't, you know what I mean? It was just like this, like my, my leg would just get like a mind of its own. And this used to happen to me even in school plays. It was horrible. I would just have this like shaky leg going. And um, uh, I think it was my auntie Elaine. She once said to me, you know, you've got to imagine the audience naked. And I tried that and burst out laughing once like, <laughs> on stage. So it didn't actually, I was meant to settle my nerves. And I just thought it was like hysterical. But, you know, so I had to learn how to be a performer. I had to learn how to, how to do that. But for me, naturally, like my comfortable space, I'm actually fine being, you know, I don't need to be around people that much. Mm. <laughs> Doesn't it, it, I don't I don't get my energy from that. I get my energy from nature and like quiet and playing music and doing things like that. Carmen, this is a really amazing conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Um and I'm I'm just really stoked that you're you're creating again and and we get to have new music hopefully again and again and again. Oh, thank you so much, Danny. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm working on it. We'll see what happens. I'm sorry I can't give you a deadline, but no, um, no pressure. I, I'm I'm pretty good. If you see movement on my social channels, it usually means that I'm doing something because I'm I'm very quiet otherwise. <laughs> awesome, Karma. Thank you. Um, I I don't know if we say good luck or break a leg for artists, but whatever the thing is, that thing to you. Okay, thank you, Denny.